I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It will be a fight. And there'll be a lot of death, unfortunately. It will be a fight we will win. But a lot less death. But there will be death. People should be actually kept out of the country for at least 28 days. America is not prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Butterfield Effect. My name's Isaac Butterfield. It's a pleasure to have you here with us as always. A great show today, a very enjoyable conversation that I had with young, friendly Geordies. Now, if you cannot and you refuse to and you will not take the time to really sit down and listen to this podcast on YouTube or Spotify or iTunes where it is available. You can head to the Butterfield Effects Clips channel. The link is down below. It's small bite-sized pieces of this podcast. The best bits. And it is all there for your viewing pleasure. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is with a man. If you don't know who he is, I'd be surprised. He's very big in the Australian YouTube community. He's a very intelligent man. Uh, he's got degrees and shit. Uh, so he outranks me as far as it comes, when it comes to uh, research and whatnot. Now, uh, one of the things that a lot of people have said in the past is I'm surprised that you would do a podcast with Friendly Geordies or you would get along with Friendly Geordies uh, because we might disagree on certain things. Now, um, I'm not sure what we do disagree on. I'm sure there are many things like with most people, but I think it's important also to have those conversations with people that you are not, not so much in disagreement with, but at least you are on the other side on some topics or, or, or different perspectives on different things. Because, you know, we all have different upbringings. We all have a different education. We all have different views in the world. And if we run around refusing to talk to people uh, that may or may not uh, disagree with our, our points that we live our life on, then that's just, that's what, <laughs> that's what the progressive people do. Now, I know Geordie's is a bit of a, well, he's not, I don't know. We'll find out in the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Please, mate, welcome to the show for the first time. The great and very perfectly sculpted with that chin, my word. Jordan Shanks, more commonly known as Friendly Jodies. Oh, but before we start, we tried this two days ago and uh, Jordan couldn't get his microphone working. We tried for like, I think it must have been an hour or an hour and a half and we were both getting the shits it just wouldn't work and it was a, it was a big shame because we're all ready to do it but i think it was my fault but i blamed him the entire time he blamed himself so he doesn't know that i'm recording this bit because he hasn't joined the zoom call yet but uh jordan if you ever watch this podcast back soz brah it was my fault jordan shanks welcome to the podcast it's great to have you here mr butterfield how's the bunker Bunker's good. Bunker's a bit cool. It's a bit of a draft, but it's all right. It's actually <laughs> hot as fuck. It's actually really scary at a bunker. It shouldn't be happening. I don't know. Be like... <laughs> 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 there was a story in a current affair the other day about people buying bunkers and they're like, yeah, there's this old dude who's just like, yeah, mate, I'm going to live out the next 30 years in this bunker by myself. I was like, why? Just die. Just die. In the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why would you bother? Buy yourself. Like, there's only so much jerking off you can do. <laughs> Why yeah, I know. Like three times a day max. What do you do for the rest of it? 
I yeah, look, I, I reckon you're exactly right. Just kill yourself. You're, you just, just do just, it. Just... Like, why? You see all those movies and, and even like I just recently played The Last of Us um, on, uh, on PlayStation and I'd never really played, I haven't played like any gaming. I don't know if you're a gamer. I haven't been into games for a long time. But since the quarantine stuff happened, I thought, fuck it, I'll, I'll give it a go because a lot of people said it was great. And it was. It was really, really good. And they're coming out with another one in a couple of months. And um, you just like stumble across people who have been like just in their homes for like four or probably actually, no, 20 years. And they've been there. They've just been there hiding the entire time, scrounging for food. Like surely you get to a point where you just go, let's end it all. Yeah. I don't understand. Like even if you had company with a couple of people, it's hard enough being housemates, let alone in a tiny room. Are you whinging about? In fact, I'd prefer to be alone. If those were the two options, are you just hanging out with two people for like 20 years? Could you imagine how annoying their idiosyncrasies would get? Especially just, in a just like, space. you know, just doing this with tea, just like, <laughs> you could go fucking mental. <laughs> Especially in a confined space, because like in a house, you you know, I've had housemates, you, you get the shits if someone doesn't do the washing up. But in this case, yeah. in a confined bunker, you're getting the shits with fucking Johnny over there because he's doing his shits are too big in the corner and they're piling up. Like, <laughs> nowhere to poo. It's just a whole fucking mess. He's had a nibble on your arm in the middle of the night. All for what? Hiding from a virus. Fuck that. Just take it. Take it on the... I'm, yeah. Become a zombie. It always seems like the better life. You get to eat, you get outside, you get fresh air. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, look, definitely if it's a zombie scenario, nuclear holocaust, just end it. That's too different. I reckon the one shining example, I guess, is just like, you know, that, that movie situation where you're abandoned on Mars. If you're there by yourself, and then, yeah, you just have to shit to make potatoes and whatever. I think it'd just be kind of interesting to just live it out there because just knowing that, just like, damn, I'm the only person on this planet. Let's see if anything happens. And no, it doesn't because it's Mars. Then In that movie, doesn't he, like, he ruffles through the ship's shit, yeah? He goes through yeah. it. And doesn't he have, like, a love interest or wife or something on the ship who dies or something like that? And he's like... It was a long time ago, but yeah. yeah I can't something. remember. But and yeah. That's like the like in any other situation, that's creepy as fuck. If your wife dies and you've collected her shit and then you rummage through it, like isn't that some alarm bells? <laughs> like, wouldn't you wouldn't you think, oh, at least he's remembering me? Like scattered. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a bit Oh no, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. I mean, and also on his end, how low is that? Just going through your dead oh. wife's shit to live. Like, that's what remembers you. I'm sure some people, when they've been together for a long time, like, you know, they walk into the wardrobe and it's hard to throw away the clothes. But this bloke's opening this bag of shit, just going, oh, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I do like that's how the only thing that you remember from that film as well. Not like this drive of living on Mars. Just like, that's gross, dude. Yeah. That's the only thing that I worry about. Even though he like plants his own crops, the first person to grow things on Mars and he manages to get a signal back to Earth. All I think about is, ooh, you don't even have gloves. <laughs> Not worth it. I, uh, I think one person uh, who would prefer to be on Mars than Earth at the moment is someone who I'm very interested to find your point of view on. Uh, someone who has been, uh, uh, there's been some action on the Twitter spheres at the moment, is there a 
Is there some sort of like lover's twist or something going on between you and Joe Hildebrand? Oh, right. <laughs> I was wondering where you go with that. <laughs> What's going on with old Joe? Dude, it's just, look. Because I don't mind Joe. I mean, I don't read any articles. I just see some of the things he's tweeted in the past. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. I know, but this is the whole thing, right? Like, if you dig into what he's saying, he's just a low-level propagandist. And the thing is, man, I don't mind really if you're a propagandist for a living, like someone like, you know, your Alan Joneses or your Ray Hadleys or something like that, because at least they're good at their job. But when you look at Joe Hildebrand trying to like joke with a bunch of 70-year-old women that used to like be on like Women's Weekly and stuff and just being like that desperate for a profile and then like everything that he writes is always just like, have you ever thought about this take? And it's like, no, because that takes pointless. Like it's just a waste of everyone's time. I, I just, it baffles me that that man lives in a mansion. It shouldn't happen. Like, I fully understand someone like Alan Jones getting to where he is. He's good at his job. I don't think the same with fucking Joe Hildebrand. I'm sorry. So, like, that's my take on it. It's just like, if you're going to lie to the public for a living, be good at it. That's, that's my whole thing with him. And so, like, I guess at the moment now, it's just kind of funny because he's just uh, very... You, you realise with, with a lot of these people that are just like, because he used to be like really feared by a lot of politicians in parliament, apparently, because of his massive profile of news.com. And so they were always terrified of, uh, you know, him writing a hit piece on them or something. But you just write out like, it's, it's just amazing that you can say to one of those people like, uh, you know what, Joe, your jokes are kind of lame. And you're a bit of a nerd, aren't you? And I don't think you had many friends at school and it just breaks down. <laughs> like, like this. How's this going to come to a head? Because you've been back and forth for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so now. What, what's yeah. going to happen? Is there, is there a plan for a, a Zoom debate or a conversation? <laughs> Let's get a Zoom debate happening. I'd watch that for sure. Yeah, Battle of the Titans. The two intellectual <laughs> giants of our time. Joe Hilden and the guy that eats squids naked. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, dude, look, there's nothing really, there's nothing really to it. It's kind of just like, it's, it's just a fun side project of mine because I just, I think that this is something that you'd appreciate, Isaac, which is that I think that there is a lot of people in the mainstream media that don't deserve their job. Now, that's not everyone in the mainstream media. There's definitely some very talented people there. Like, for instance, like Hamish and Andy, you know, unbelievably quick wit. I would, I would put them as some of the sharpest intellects when it comes to comedy on earth. Completely agree that they deserve to be there. But like 80% of them, it's kind of just like, you just knew someone. You went to the right school. You shouldn't be there. Like, wh why are you on my TV five days a week? There's a lot of those people that I just really think need to be like put into place of like, dude, I know you've convinced yourself that you're the shit, but like if you didn't have that platform, you wouldn't exist. Like yeah. you, you would be a nobody. Yeah. And that's, I, I, I don't know. That's, that's my, like, it really gets to me a lot of the time. I think. But I get anyway. that. And you're in the opposite position where people go to you because they, they like you, they choose, they make an effort. You're not just on their TV screen. And I think that's yeah. the most important, most important thing about YouTube is it is it's a, it's the consumer's decision 
to go out of their way, out of their life, to go and like to press a subscribe button for some reason, psychologically within the human being is difficult. So for you to do that, it is a big step. And then now you've committed to that person and to just turn the TV on, you're just used to getting whoever you want. But with the with people who consume YouTube, they know that this is their decision. They can collate this in whatever way they want to do it. And it's an exciting venture for someone who's just starting a channel or whatever to go and I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to follow that guy. I'm going to follow uh, Friendly Geordies because I, I like his take on this. That doesn't happen in the mainstream media. You get what you're given. It's like having dinner when you're a kid. Like it's not a restaurant. You don't get to choose. You just get what mum <laughs> what mum cooks. And the mainstream media is mum. And then you, when you get older and you walk out to a restaurant, there's a big menu in front of you. Like, oh my God, my eyes are open. You get to choose whatever you want. And I guess that's a, it's a positive thing and a negative thing too. People go down. The, one of my mates the other day, he was talking about the, the current virus that we can't talk about due to uh, demonetization, uh, the super sore throat virus. And yeah. he's saying that he heard a very interesting thing um, uh, on, uh, on a conversation on YouTube. And I said, who was talking about that? He said, oh, this really you know, interesting guy called David Icke. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right. Just take it easy when you go down the rabbit hole on David Icke or you'll start calling the, the queen a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. You choose your own echo chamber and all that type of business. But I, I think it's so important what we both have, uh, large audiences on a, on a platform where people choose to be involved with what you're doing. Well, this is the whole thing. At the end of the day, it's democratic. It's like you can't, even if you're not a fan of like David Icke or something like that, it's, it's like that guy built it because he has an audience there and you can at least, ex you can at least respect the entertainment hustle of that guy. Yes. He, he, like, you know, he's speaking to someone, he's worth his salt. That's the thing that I think is just so egregious about the mainstream media is it's just like, it's, it's like anyone who will just spout, first of all, you know, like it's a big nepotism network. That's the first thing that I don't like about it. But the second part I think is just that as long as you're willing to spout the agenda of your owner and just, you know, relay it of whether or not you agree with it, you are going to have a place there for life. Yes. I think that that's just really, it, look, it, it's, bad. It's, it's a terrible thing for democracy to begin with. You, you shouldn't have, you know, one billionaire owning 70% of, of a nation's media. That's insane. But the other thing is that like, you know, like whether or not you agree with someone who's like made a platform online, they're authentic. Mm. They actually believe what they're saying. There's, that means that, you, you know, there's like a to and fro there that you can agree or disagree with. But the, these people just come up on your screen day after day saying, these are my talking points. And then they're off and then they just move on to the next talking points. And you can't, that you know that there's no engagement there because they're not doing it because they think it. They're doing it because of the paycheck at the end. Like, I can guarantee you that is what Joe Hildebrand says when he writes most of his articles. It's just like, uh, you know, can I keep my job so I can pay my mortgage off? That's all he's thinking. And the difference, it's, it's, the it's difference like there it lies. To go. Huh? It's, the difference there lies in the fact that uh, Joe and the mainstream, they have a job, whereas we as creators, and I know it's a bit of a fucking, you know, dick sucking fest when you start calling yourself a creator on YouTube, but you are, and I am, we start a business. You know, this is our, this is our baby so to speak. And these guys are just employees. They don't give a shit, you know, to the point where we got to pay our own super. 
that's where it's at. You know, these guys just go, you're eating what you kill. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And and that's what I love about it. I mean, it is concerning when you see people like uh, the CEO of YouTube, uh, Suzanne Oz, wasn't she? Wozniacki, that's a tennis player. Whatever. Susan. Yeah. He, she starts talking about, oh, we need. We know people are disagreeing with the, the push from YouTube to incorporate more from the mainstream media, but this is how we need to go for, uh, for advertising spend and all that type of business. So that's concerning from our point of view, but I mean, I get it from a business point of view. You need to make money, uh, and particularly with the size of YouTube. I can't imagine the, the cost that's associated with just the bandwidth alone, let alone running, you know, running a corporation. But it is concerning that that is somewhere where YouTube may go. Do you, do you think that this YouTube will be the platform that you're on for some time? Look, I don't really know anything about like, you know, the, the, the backdoor shenanigans of digital media. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Like every time it ever talks to me, it's just like, you know, they'll just be like, you know, megabits and favorite bits. And I'm just like, all right, that's enough. I'm, <laughs> I'm out of it, you know, but I, I, look, I understand that that is the new threat to democracies globally, which is that, you know, like your Rupert Murdoch's, uh, your Bloomberg's, all of these media titans are just getting absolutely dwarfed by Google, which basically just takes all of their content and then just puts it out uh, basically for free and then leeches money off it. Not that I care because like I, I really don't, have any respect for newspapers at all but like uh i understand that you're you're kind of just replacing one titan with an even bigger titan and i think that like every time like when when someone gets too much power when something is just monopolized like that where there is just like a global news service essentially that is emerging out of google and, and and youtube which is owned by google like think about that youtube is just an arm mm. of Google. It's it's one of their streams of revenue, one of the biggest corporations on earth. I can imagine that there'd be some backdoor shenanigans that are happening. You know, like there's probably going to be some stuff there. Has to be. There has to be. It has to be, it right? Like this. You don't get that big without fucking around. But it's strange that there's a swap happening between the big, you know, the Uber, the Uber giants when it comes to media that have been around for 50 years and now swapping straight to another Uber giant in Google. That's concerning. Yeah. It's not a yeah. change. It's a changing of the guard. Well, it's not even a changing of the guard. It's kind of like a cannibalization of all the old guards. It's just like before there'd be kind of, I suppose Rupert Murdoch would have controlled most media in the US, definitely has a clinch hold on the UK and, the, and Australia. Um, but, you know, there'd be other media tycoons in all these other nations. But it's just moving from like, uh, you know, uh, media tycoons owning just like a country to like one tycoon owning the entire globe. So it's amazing. It's like, it really is amazing. It is just watching a giant eating other giants, mm. just like their tiny little people, like, like a, a giant just coming into a village, eating little t- people and then no, a bigger giant just picking that giant up and go, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what's happening. What's what's the Russian dolls, babushka dolls, babushkas? Yeah, babushkas. Yeah, you lift one yeah, doll, yeah. there's a smaller the doll. Under- huh? There's a smaller doll underneath every single one. That's that's the footing. That's the framework. That's the foundation that all these things are built upon. Where, yeah. 
where where do you see your channel going over the next 10 years i know you have uh your other youtube channel which is just your name jordan shanks and that is more of a self-help uh channel is that correct yeah 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 so why 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 the why the two because i don't have to i started a second one it was called blokes health and i just became too busy and i just was like fuck i'm i'm putting out four videos a week i don't have time to do another a fifth sort of thing so um yeah that's a good point but but if you do have time to do it then that's fantastic why why the divide in channels was there a reason behind that or you just wanted to cover different topics it's too lazy. And also like, it's, it's another thing that I don't think people understand. There's two reasons for it, right? Like, I think that when it comes to self-help and I really wouldn't put you judging from the content that I've seen of you, I wouldn't put you in this category of people, but there's a lot of people that like, when you say like, here's some life advice, I think because like, I think it's just the fact that you've just been enamored by the Joe Rogan podcast for so long that like it just, just through that podcast and the people that he interviews, there are a lot of people that just give life advice. Right. So you kind of sit there and you're like, actually, this is a value. But I think that there is a, a large sector of the population that as soon as you just like, you know, Hey, if you get up first thing in the morning and you go for a walk, you're going to be happier and more productive for the rest of the day. If you just say something like that, they're like, don't tell me how to live my life. Fuck you. Like they have that kind of stand backish approach. So I started moving self-help onto the second channel basically because I was just like, this is not going to gel with my other audience. Yeah. And then the other thing I think is like, I think there's a massive difference that most people don't seem to understand because they, they, they focus on either politics or they focus on self-help. But like, I really think that things that are good for the individual are not necessarily good for society. And it's, it's very hard to gel those two ideas in a lot of people's minds. Like, you know, I guess, I guess a good example is like, you know, per, the idea of personal responsibility. That's a really good idea for you to take up, right? Because it's just like, no one's going to make your life work except you. No one's going to care enough. No one's going. And first of all, everyone's fucking busy with their own life. So why should they, you know, like it's all on you to make something of yourself, you know, but you can't apply that to society, right? Because, you know, in society, there's disabled people. And in society, there's people that just have low intelligence. And then there's other people that are just never going to even hear that message and like resonate with it. Right. But you have to get that society to work somehow. So you'd introduce something like the doll and the point of the doll is like something that is beneficial to society anyway. It's not even just helping the less fortunate. It's actually just like stimulating the economy by giving people money to spend in the economy, you know? So it's just like things that are good for you aren't necessarily good for society. And I think, so you just kind of need to separate those two ideas. That's that, that was my thinking anyway. No, I, like, uh, I think that's the reason I moved it. It's huh? a very interesting way of thinking about it. It's the opposite of, what's good for the goose is good for the gander you know you have to i mean i like to i like using you know analogies with geese um it's definitely something that i think motivation and inspiration is something that people need uh almost sprinkled on their daily diet every single day mm. Like, mm. if you read a, a self-help book or whatever you happen to do um it won't necessarily change your life it could start a you know a roll-on effect an avalanche effect a domino effect it could change a little bit and then that moves on to something and i think that's something that happens in you know the butterfly effect something that happens small moves on to something bigger but 
you need to have this constant um, positive reinforcement with some things. And I think that's where religion was at some point. And I also think that's where elders were in, in different uh, groups and, and tribes back in the Dizay. There was this ability to have wisdom passed down upon people. And now we don't really have that, uh, whether it's through a broken family or you don't see your family or you don't have yeah. someone. You know, a lot of people, and this is what I, I have to remind myself because I was one of these people, go, go to a job every single day that they fucking hate. They wake up in the morning, they're filthy, they can't believe they have to do another day. They go there, they can't wait till 11.40 or 12 o'clock when it's lunchtime. Then it's, you know, you finish lunch, you go down, you go get another coffee to get you through the rest of the day. It comes to five o'clock, you sit in traffic for an hour, you get home at six o'clock, you eat dinner, you have a shower, you're tired. There's no time for self-improvement. And I'm reading this book at the moment. Um, and I only just started it yesterday. And, and I'll be honest, I'm terrible at reading books. I, I'm awful at it. And mm. from, what, from what I hear, it's, it's a skill, like anything else, that you get better at over time. But I've been reading um, the, the, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And it's an interesting book because it talks about at the start, and this is what I got through yesterday, just laying in the lounge being a big slob was this idea of resistance, that everything in your life is yeah. resistance, trying to mm. stop you from doing something. And everyone mm. who is angry and is upset is all based on this resistance. And there's mm. resistance in love and there's resistance in relationships and work and business and everything. And it's all about somehow climbing each step of resistance and then another step comes and it never ends until the day you die. There's resistance from the moment of your birth to the moment you die. And you just, it's all about overcoming each single thing that comes at you. And mm. I think that a lot of people get beaten by that. And that's where things like um, anxiety and depression and all these type of things really sometimes, not all the time, they st but they, they can stem from this innate need in people to somehow find what they are looking for. And I know that sounds weird and whimsical. Whiz <clears throat> whimsical is not a word but you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> whimsical but it is within everyone they want to achieve a certain thing whether it's uh, something like elon musk trying to get to to, to mars or it's um, a mum who's trying to get their kid ready for school uh, there's all these things that we need to overcome and if you keep letting them beat you it'll only beat you down and that's where depression and anxiety i feel comes from for a lot of people um to, to the point, the reason I'm talking about this is it is sometimes made easier for people to get through life with a book or with someone offering advice. And so I think it's very, very important what you're doing. And I do the same sort of thing with, um, with weight loss. And talk, I've been talking about that the last couple of weeks on my channel. Yeah. Because a lot of people just accept the fact that they're going to be overweight. Now, I was 134 kilos. I'm six foot eight. You've, you've met me before. I'm rather yeah. tall. And... Mm -hmm. I lost, I got down to 94, I was very skinny. And then I uh, went on back on the road and all that type of stuff. And I was also having issues with panic attacks during that time. And the only way to calm myself down was to eat, which was very, very strange. But so I was just grazing constantly. And I put on um, about 15, 20 kilos. But anyway, long story short, that was, you know, I, I, I initially found the resistance. I beat it and then it came back. And now I'm working on it again. And I've dropped uh, 11 kilos in the last six months. So it's all about this constant fight. And I think people need that type of inspiration that you're offering. I think it's a very good thing that there's someone in the public space who's, because there's no one else doing what you're doing. 
you know, there's Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson, there's Anthony Robbins trying to offer uh, advice. But in Australia, is there anyone else? I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. I don't think there is. Yeah, it, it's mostly an American enterprise, isn't it? Hmm. But it's like exactly what you were saying then about you need it every day. Zig Ziglar has this great quote of someone saying that he... <laughs> Like someone came up to him after a seminar once and said that motivate your motivation didn't work. And he was saying, what do you mean by that? And he was just saying that like, you know, I was, I was very motivated to get my life in order after seeing his seminar for about two weeks. And then I just forgot about it. Yeah. And he was just saying like, dude, that is the same as taking a bath once and expecting to be clean for the rest of your life. Cause it's exactly what you're talking about with that resistance mentality that happens in people's minds, which is that, I think what happens is like whatever scenario you're in now, like if you remember your life from before you were a YouTuber, your life now is completely different. And probably when you started out as a YouTuber, you would have just killed people to be in your position now. But now that you're in your position now, it's kind of just like, oh, you know, what next? You know, like it's just, it becomes the norm. You get used to it. This is a conversation. Huh? Sorry, this is a conversation. I, this exact conversation I had this morning. With someone and we were talking about this is what happens when you achieve something or you, you need to find the next battle you can't rest on your laurels you can't retire you must keep moving nah yeah i know yeah as soon as you start stagnating it just feels i think that's when it starts happening is like that's when that's when depression and anxiety start releasing in them. yeah I, look i understand that there is you know, neurochemicals that get out of balance and then you become anxious or depressed or whatever. But like, dude, I'm telling you, most of the time, it is because you are not striving for something. You don't have a goal. And so your mind just starts wandering around and just being like, is that all there is? This isn't that good. Yeah. If you have something to just be like, no, you're, you're, you're reaching for that. You don't have time. You don't have time to start getting depressed and anxious. No, you're busy. You, you, you have a purpose. You have a reason to wake up. You have a reason to wake up as well. That's and the whole point. With with my my issue with the anxiety and panic attacks, that came from epilepsy. So I, I've got a form of epilepsy, and it was this constant fear of having these epileptic fits that that gave me that uh, panic disorder. So it wasn't as much as something wasn't going right in my life. In fact, everything was going right. I started to sell out shows. I started to tour. I started to become a comedian, which was my goal in life that I've worked towards for the past four or five years. Uh, all these things were going right. Relationship, awesome. Uh, I was getting, I got a couple of puppy dogs. Like, I was fucking on fire. And yet still, there was this in the back of my mind, there was this issue. And to your point about the neurochemicals, all this bad sort of, or this, uh, this, this poor mind uh, or poor ability to control one's mind or, the, or the, the endeavor to control one's mind, which is often the worst thing you can try and do. And I found that out when I started having this, 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 cause I was constantly anxious 24 seven. It was fucking the worst year of my life. But mm. the more I tried to control it, the worse it got. It's almost right. this, you need to be able to, while you strive for something, you need to be let, letting go of the things that you can't control in life. Control the mm. things you can and let go of the things you can't. And that's mm. what I'm still trying to work towards now. I haven't, I haven't beaten the problem. I'm still working towards it now. But, you know, it's, you can still live a good life. You can still achieve the things you want to achieve. And I just feel there's so many people that just give up. That's what I hate. They lay on their back. We'll give up with, with, with whatever's happening. It doesn't have to be 
necessarily anxiety and depression. It could be, hey, you know, this job didn't work out or this relationship oh, yeah. didn't work yeah. out. And just so many people at the first sight of something that's difficult lay on their back and like a turtle just kick their legs. Yeah. I, that's exactly it, isn't it? Like, I, I really think that I'm really getting into this concept recently on that channel of the only failure is giving up. Yeah. Other than that, you're just getting results. If you're just striving towards something and something doesn't work out, you just know that that doesn't get the results you want. So then you try again and you get a different result. As soon as you just start like just being like, oh yeah, no, the system's against me or whatever. And then you just sit down and do nothing. That's when you start getting into that cycle. And like, it's another concept that I'm always talking about of like life is usually either in like, it, no, I really think that there is only two modes of life, right? It's either in a positive cycle or a negative cycle, right? So if you, if you start having bad experiences, your brain just starts noticing those bad experiences. And so it starts looking for more bad experiences. And so you get into a mindset that just gets you worse and worse results and you just keep spiraling down. The exact opposite is true if you just start thinking about like what you're grateful for in life and like what you're achieving and stuff like that. These things start, you, your brain starts noticing what's going right. And, you're, and as a result, you start getting more positive results and you just keep moving up. I really don't think there is this idea of kind of just like, as you were saying, like resting on your laurels, right? It doesn't happen. No. If you rest on your laurels, you just start going down eventually. That's why people die. That's why pensioners, when they retire from work, they've been working for 40 years, 45 years in the same job, and all of a sudden they sit at home all the time. No wonder yeah. they give up. They just end. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Your body. Yeah. Pink. Yeah. Retiring is saying, I'm giving up on life. Yes. That's the message that you're telling your brain. Like, I'm done now. I'm, 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 I'm willing to just go into this slow motion death. Unless you have. <laughs> pretty depressing yeah but yeah. yeah but but that's where we're all headed and un, un, unless you can find something to do that is uh that provides you with the self-worth that you are trying to do whether it's a hobby or a job or whatever the good thing about stand-up and and yourself will you know being a stand-up you know what i'm saying you can do that forever you can yeah, be 100 absolutely. years old doing that shit I yeah. mean, I think it was Don Rickles or it might have been someone else. He died in a hotel room after a gig or before a gig or something like that. You know? yeah, yeah. It is doable. And that's not necessarily the life I want, but you are able to do that for the rest of your life. But most jobs, whether it's your, my, my pop, he's a, he was a fitter and turner and then he copped a bit of metal in the eye and that was him done. So now he just sort of sits at home and, young. oh yeah, fucking horrible, lost all his vision. And so now he just sits at home and, does it cuts a couple of lap, a couple of hot laps around the house and says hello to Grand and that's about it. <laughs> he does. He cuts. He, uh, he just walks around with his hands behind his back and he's just going, yep, just checking on over the pirate patch. Everything's Jeez. all right. <laughs> what a trooper! Oh yeah, he doesn't stop. But it, yeah, it is a, that is a scary thing to get involved in is thinking about the the demise of your. Um, you seeking to find purpose or, or not yeah. being able to do that. But dude, this, this is what I'm wondering. What, what do you describe as your purpose? Like in your head, what are you trying to accomplish? Well, my purpose is it, it's a few things. Um, I, I enjoy entertaining people. 
And that's why yeah. I love stand-up. It's all that I always ever want. Oh, from about the age of 12, it's all I wanted to do. Mm. Now to do that, it's very good. Um, YouTube wasn't sort of the thing that I was planning on doing, but it happened and I'm happy it did. I've been able to do big shows. I did uh, in front of 2,000 people at the Enmore Theatre last year and sold it out. That was incredible. Um, filmed a special there. All these really great things, things that I set out. And when I did set out to do them, I said to my partner, I was like, this has to work. This is, this is back first year of putting videos up on Facebook. I said, this has to work. There's no other option here. I don't have a degree. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm educated in the sense that I know very little about a lot of things and I'm able to talk and I'm able to make jokes. I said, this needs to work. You know, I was trying to get gigs in all these other clubs and they were like, nah, mate, we've got too many blokes on the list or there's too many white dudes on the list or your material's not welcome here, all that shit. And so thankfully I found that. I want to get better at stand-up. I want to make myself um, as good as I can be and that will take time. Uh, I want to continue touring. I want to go and see more countries. I was able to tour Europe, uh, well, not Europe, but you know, the UK last year and got to see some of Europe as well. And to do shows in another country where people know who you are and they want to hang out with you and all that type of stuff and get autographs is insane. It's pretty cool, um, isn't it? It was unbelievable. And yeah. But also, the other thing that I want to achieve is I want to buy my family a house. You know, I want to, I want to have kids and I want to have, um, you know, a, a nice, happy family and, and, and bring them into the world and, and, and watch them grow up. That's, that's both of my goals. They run in line with each other. This goal has to succeed for this goal to succeed. And then this goal has to succeed for this goal to succeed because without a family, I'm not happy. And without my career, I can't support them. So my purpose is to keep both of them going and watch as much Netflix as possible. Yes, <laughs> the trifecta, <laughs> right. But I think having those things and, and that my old man was always very, very big on you know, writing goals down. And I tried doing that. And I could probably do that in the future, but it never really worked for me. It's more of a mental note. And it's something that, you know, he tried to push on me for, for years and years and come on, mate, you need to start thinking about this until you make that decision on your own mind, at least for me personally, you'll never get moving on anything. You have to, you can't be told to do this or that. You have to make that decision for yourself. Otherwise it won't happen. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much everything, isn't it? It's just like you have, a, you have a certain projection of reality and even the slightest infringement on that, your your immediate instinct is to just block it out of your head. Yeah. So you always have to, like everything, it's always, you always have to make the decision yourself. And I don't know, I've been talking to Neil about this heaps recently. That scares the fuck out of me. Talking that to is, Neil. That, that is one of the, huh? Talking to Neil scares the fuck out of you. Yeah, that too. Like he, he's terrifying, man. Scary, he's, man. He's so much gel. He's a giant. You know, <laughs> but uh like he's like it's it's the thing of uh it's it's just this thing of like i i don't know it's it's, it's like the reality in your head is not reality i think that's something that is like it's it's really hard Obviously, I'm no different. No one on earth is different. They just have this imprint of what happened because of where they grew up, who they hung out with, who educated them, 
And as a result, that's how they see the world. But that's like everyone's is going to be filled with just a bunch of false assumptions and a bunch of like bullshit ideas. But you're going through life and operating as if that's the way that the world is. Yeah. I think that like if, you, if, if, if you're able to at least understand that point, that everything that you know could be wrong, you're going to be in a much better position in life. It's like, it's, I guess it's the same thing of what you're doing with like, with your YouTube channel, you, you, you're observing patterns of what works and you're going like, okay, I'll adopt that. I think it's like something that you see, I've heard you talk about this before with like, you know, a lot of the, the, the comedians in the scene, they try and get their little five minutes on the ABC or whatever, right? They have this map in their head, just as an example, they have this map in their head of how the comedy scene works that might've been true in the nineties, mm. but that's not the case anymore. What you should be doing is what we're doing now. If you want to get into comedy, put yourself on the net, but in their mind, for some reason, that's still low. Yeah. That's a low con like to have an, or it's, it's insane. Like in their mind, having sold out shows at the end more is lower than having like five minutes on the ABC where no one watches and everyone afterwards just is just like, first of all, yeah, no one watches. So you can't get an audience to begin with. And second off, you have to have a certain type of stand up to get there. Jumping through all of these hoops. It's, it's, it's like insanely outdated, but I think that that's how most people operate in life is just like, this is how the world works the way that I see it in my head. But it's not. <laughs> it's just not. So this is like I think that's like I'm very happy to see that about how you were able to grow an audience very quickly, because it's just that like it's it's that action in action. It's really cool that you did that. Well, it was it was a conscious plan in my mind too. It was I I saw it as a challenge, and I was I was friends with Josh Wade and Frenchie at the time, and I'd opened for them. And I saw how they sort of started off. How out. were you friends with him? So I met. I don't Josh. live anywhere near you. No, huh? no. I, oh, mate, I get, I get around. I was friends with Josh because I met him at uh, in Newcastle at a club called Fanny's, and Fanny's is no longer exists. It's called uh, Ar the Argyle now. Anyway, um, it is actually it's it's a nightclub in one of the oldest buildings in Newcastle. It's like. 200 years old it's crazy anyway it's very very old 175 oh, yeah yeah i know that place yeah rowdy they i met josh there he did a gig there and it was a fucking rough gig people were sitting on the floor and it was just a fucking mess but <laughs> my friend Jesus. my friend and i don't think you've met him but matt reddy is his name he opened he opened for josh and bring me along and i was just talking to him and we're having a chat and then probably two or three months later they bring me along as the second opener to Josh's shows in Armadale and Tamworth. And then I did it again, probably another two months later up north in Toowoomba and uh, somewhere else up there. So I got to know Josh pretty well through that. And then uh, Frenchie was the same sort of thing. Matt had uh, known Frenchie for some time and actually even been in some of his videos and Matt's a school teacher. So he was trying to get out of those videos pretty quickly. Uh, but <laughs> um, 
he introduced me as well. The first time I met Frenchie was uh, on on the way to one of his shows in uh, Tamworth, and he was just at the front of my house picking me up. Uh, so I became friends with them, and then I noticed that they had done, uh, you know, they, they had for me they had done it, and they, you know, they've made their own audience. They're doing shows, so. I looked at what they did. I looked at their videos and how they started growing. And, and it was Facebook back then. It was a different age, particularly for Josh. You know, he was, he tells a story of getting, uh, it was like a hundred thousand likes on a Facebook post in like four hours, something crazy. This is when Facebook was really popping. And so I started making Facebook videos and the way I did it was I would make videos about Newcastle first. That's where I'm from. And that's the thing I know more than anything else i know that town so i was making videos about newcastle and i would you know crack jokes about this this and this made it put it on facebook and it got maybe two hundred thousand views in the first day which was awesome for me and then i made another one about newcastle and i was right my thought was right okay i've got as many fans now as i can get in newcastle time to broaden out i made a video about state of origin about new south wales so then i was starting to focus rather than on my town on my state and then I went from there and I started making videos about Australia. And that's when these videos started popping off on YouTube. Uh, one of the videos, 10 Reasons Not to Visit Australia, was a reaction video that I did. It was a video about um, these guys, these list guys, a list channel on YouTube. Uh, a list channel on YouTube. <laughs> Sometimes we all fall down. Uh, this channel <laughs> the point is you get back up. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> So there was this guy who made this list and it was terrible. And like, he's a British guy and, he, and I, the video popped off. It got like a million views in a couple of days. And I went from a thousand subscribers to a hundred thousand in Ooh. a couple of days. And he contacted me. He said, mate, isn't that crazy? That video, he said, some Russian group owns it and they write these scripts and they're always terrible. I ended up meeting him a year later, uh, two, last year. I met him in London. He came up oh, Manchester. He came to the show there and he said, he did his voice. He goes, do you remember this voice? Like it was fucking, this is your life or some shit. I was like, I do. Um, but so that's how I met uh, Josh and Frenchie. And so I noticed what they were doing and I basically said, okay, this works. I'm going to copy it. And that's what I did. Man, you know what? You know what else is mad about that as well? I really like how your Josh waves, your Neils, your, uh, like your Frenchies, uh, Michael Cusacks, all of them. Like the, the Australian YouTube community is actually quite supportive and welcome. Mm. It's not like that in the United States. They're savage. But I don't think anybody, I don't, I, I don't have any ill will against any of them here. They all seem to be really nice dudes that are just doing their thing in life. Happy to help out. It's the same thing with those guys, right? Like they just, you said, I want to be on YouTube. And instead of just being like, fuck off, that's my turf. They were just like, yeah, man. She's like, here's what you do. You know, It's he so gave, nice. Of they gave the same advice that I give to people. Just find something that's funny and make it. Yeah, you do. exactly. I mean, what, what other advice can you give in this day and age? Yeah. I mean, look, you are in what I assume from your face moving in and around on a green screen, but you never know. It could actually be in a bunker. Um, like, I'm just in this hyperbolic time chamber. Like, it's, it's like there's, there's nothing you really need. Damn. <laughs> He turns the camera angle around and look at that. Well, so, I, I, what a tweet to this post. 
apocalyptic world. I was on Frenchie's uh, podcast recently. We were talking about gambling addiction because Frenchie had some issues. So I changed my background to uh, Big Red. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm an asshole. <laughs> the guy that made you who you are. <laughs> and I look up to the most. Such a supportive, nice community. <laughs> and then there's me. <laughs> But I can, I can be an asshole, but that's, I think it's, I think it, because a lot of people think I am. A lot of people just think I'm just this fucking nutbag who just screams nonstop. But, and I am sometimes, but not all the time. Sometimes I'm normal, you know? When I, when I meet people in person, I'm just like, hey, how done? And they're like, ah, vegans. And I'm like, yep. It'd be the same with you with the liberal government. <laughs> Well, so people always say that to you, are they? They're just like, say the line, do it. Yeah, I... Yeah, you get that. I, I get... Um, so people used to yell out to me all the time. They used to yell out, be a good motherfucker. And then I was like, oh, I wonder what I could make my catchphrase so that it was just extremely niche and extremely weird when I meet people in public. So I started saying, me dick stinks at the end of videos. So now people like... Is the up. origin of that? Yes. <laughs> That's why I started saying it. And then people just walk, drive past me now and they just go, me dick stinks. And I yell out, mine reeks. <laughs> and everyone around me just All goes, what the are falling into place. Yeah. Well, I got to say, that's really good of you. Um, I suppose, yeah, you, you weren't lying when you were saying you're an asshole. This, this massive prank on your own audience. They know it. I, I, I said that in the video when I first started saying it. I said, I want to see what weird shit I can make people say. At the yeah. end, 2,000 people are all <laughs> rolling all out. Huh? <laughs> At the end more. When I did that show, I said, come on, let's all give me a dick stinks. And then 2,000 people just went, me dick stinks. And it was great. <laughs> you have young kids yelling. Mother's yelling. It was yelling. the height of my <laughs> life. <laughs> and that, but that's, that's the cool thing about my audience is it's... Um, is it's very uh, it's very different than what people would think. You'd think it's just young dudes, but when you go to a show, there's uh, probably fifty or maybe sixty forty male female, a lot of young women, a lot of older women. It's a it's a good mix. There's people of every color, skin uh, skin color, every creed, every religion, all that type of stuff. You know, um, when I got in strife last year uh, through the Melbourne papers about making a um, a joke about a particular religion. I had Jewish members uh, there every single night, you know, and and they loved it. I did, yeah, I did. Fucking, what's the what's the Jewish phrase of like, Mazeltov? Um, I did a Mazeltov after that joke. They come on stage. It was their bar mitzvah celebration. I really? did a joke. Then they said, "Ah, oh, we're we're Jewish." I said, "Come up here," and then we crushed the glass or some shit. It was great. <laughs> So, um, I don't know, I, I, I've enjoyed this path to where I happen to be, but, you know, as, a, as the same with you, you, know, you just need to keep moving forward. What, what's next for you? What are you doing? Now, I'm really, really excited about the fact that I've been doing like a deep dive into research for like moving Australia to renewable energy. And it has just led me to this like incredible realization of how profitable Australia could be if we were run on a hundred percent renewables, which is completely doable. It's so cheap 
that it could be built without the Australian government. That, that never happens. Like coal, nuclear, gas, all of that, you need billions of dollars of government investment to build any of those things. These, these things are so cheap now that the Australian public could build them themselves if they wanted to. And as soon as we do that, we've opened ourselves up to all of these industries coming back to Australia because the entire world is trying to get to net zero emissions. And if we have renewable energy here, it's going to mean that we can cleanly melt steel. This is like in like 10 years or whatever, melt steel, uh, aluminium, all of these things. And the thing is like, the reason Newcastle is no offense, filled with a bunch of junkies is because <laughs> I'm shooting up right now. <laughs> like hey, we are dude. a town of learned individuals. What are you fucking talking about? Very smart. <laughs> hey, yeah, your glasses to take away the suspicion from the cops of like, no, no, I'm employed somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I cook the meth on those over the stove. That's all. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Your Heisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude, but like, you would have remembered this, right? Like, there was a time when Newcastle was this massive steel manufacturer. Everybody had a job. The place was a lot richer as a result. All of that got shipped over to China because they can do it for free because they don't care if like kids are just pouring like molten steel into a vat. So, so it's like, yeah. it's, it's way cheaper to produce it there than it is here. But if you have renewable energy, which is free to produce essentially, all of a sudden it becomes cheaper to produce it here, which means those jobs come back to Wollongong, Newcastle, all of these cities that now, because there's nothing there, that's like, that seems to be the job there now. Either you work in the cent at Centrelink to help out meth dealers get their checks so they can buy meth, or your other job is you become a Heisenberg. You just you cook meth. It's like it like it, it seems like it's like that's the industry there now. All of these problems are solved as soon as we move to one hundred percent renewable energy. And like I was looking at the numbers, if we got that the, the 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 like you know the the steel and aluminium that moves over to the U, uh, to China and like to all these other countries that they're producing now. It's the equivalent of $400 billion Australian. If we were producing that in Australia, we have $400 billion going through our economy. And that's $100 billion in tax that then you can then just build other, all these other like, you know, big expansive projects like this to make the economy stronger. It's like insane that we're not moving towards it. And so then I just realized like, it's actually really easy. All you have to do is change your super and bank to a, uh, a superannuation account that doesn't invest in fossil fuels, which lose you money anyway, like renewables, like during COVID, for instance, all of the ecologically responsible ones, like your, uh, your, your future super, your ethical super, all of these ones, they've been making money during the COVID outbreak. All the ones that have been investing in fossil fuels and stuff, well, what happens when there's like an outbreak like this? Everyone goes home. There's like, you know, the coal plant that has 700 people in it or whatever, they're just like, okay, you're redundant now. So they all lose money. But if you've got renewables, like you don't really need any maintenance. It's just the wind is just going there. So they're still making money during this outbreak. So it's like, it's good for you. It's good for the planet. It's good for the economy. There's no downside to this. It's like, so it's why aren't they, that's why I'm moving. Huh? Why aren't they moving forward with it? Is it a technolo technology thing? Is it they don't have no. the appropriate storage? What is it? 
No, all of this is a lie. And it's a lie that is pushed by the fossil fuel industry. It's like there's a very niche but extremely profitable industry in Australia from the Resources Council, right? Like the people that mine coal, essentially. And they have just un ungodly amounts of money that they can just put into lying to the public about the fact that, you know, like, oh, battery storage technology isn't there. Or like, you know, it's not always blowing and it's not always sunny. And like, they've got all of these lies that they just keep pushing through the media. And because, you know, that's the only voice that you're hearing is that, you know, like it's impossible to get to 100% renewables, which is just a complete and utter lie. I've got an entire video on a coke locked on my channel if you're like interested in it, but it just goes through every one of their points and how wrong it is. And like, it's, it's a complete and utter lie. It's the same thing as what happened with cigarettes, right? Like, you know, like in the 70s, how they were just like, yeah, yeah, it's all fine. And then in the 80s, they were like, you can't prove that it's linked to cancer. And then in the 90s, they were finally like, dude, it fucking causes cancer, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just that, like, but cigarette companies are so profitable that they can just put out all these bullshit doctors, like real life Dr. Nicks from The Simpsons to sit there and be like, there is no link between cancer and that, like, and, and cigarettes, you know? Like, they can do the same thing with coal, and that is what is happening now. Wow. That's, that's really why Australia isn't pushing forward through to it, because there's just such a powerful, cashed up lobby that is just saying no. But, like, you know, for the Australian public's benefit, like it's not in their interest for us to have 100% renewable, but it is in the interest of everyone else in the country to move towards this. Especially, especially places like Newcastle and Wollongong. Like the, the, the places that used to have these huge manufacturing industries. That they're, they're going to be like, they're going to be what like Beijing and stuff are now. Like a big reason that China is so profitable now is just because like the labor cost there is just so cheap. Like you can just basically give people a battery to put in one of those like fan hats that they like. And they'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll work for that. You know, like, so you can't compete with that. Right. So it's like, that's why they've gotten so rich is because they've just gotten all of these industries from the West that have just been pushed over there. But in the future, like that's not going to happen. It depends if we it depends if we move to 100% renewable or not. But that's like that's what's really driving me at the moment. I'm just really excited about this idea. Sorry, right. I probably chewed three off. No, no, no. So if 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 okay, let's say what you're saying is correct, and it's a big conspiracy through the fossil fuel industry, and and to think that it's a conspiracy funded by an industry is not out of the realm of possibility at all. Because as you said, the cigarette companies were doing that in uh the 70s or the 80s and 90s so it's been done before and it's probably been done a lot of, there's probably tons of other examples what is stopping us what will be the catalyst for change i think and i really like look you look at the polling and it's just like 85 percent of the australian public is down with renewables they think it's a really good idea Obviously, it makes a lot of sense, even if you don't believe in climate change or whatever. Just the fact that there's this fucking massive giant cigarette in the middle of your town going all day, like it's not going to be good for your health. No. You know, like I, I think most people want to move towards it. I just think it's that thing that what we were talking about before, right? Which is that like, if no one tells you this and other people are telling you that like, oh, you need, you know, like a constant thing of energy and like sun and wind can't do that and like that's all you're hearing then you're just like oh okay it's impossible and then you just move on with your life and go through the norms it's like what we were talking about with your life the way that you see things in your life is completely based on 
like a reality imprint in your head, but that's not reality. Like there's a, there's a bunch of things in your head that just aren't true. There's a bunch of things in my head that aren't true. That's just the facts. It's just, I've been looking into this obsessively for the last year and I've just been like, okay, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a fuck. It's all a lie. You know, like, I, I, the only thing I think is stopping people is just like, they don't know that if they move their bank to bank Australia, they move their, I'm not paid by them, by the way. Um, I, it's, it's just because I'm just like, I think that what they're doing is amazing. But if they move like one of the big four banks, I mean, they, they're fucking crooks anyway. They're like, the, the, you know, the Royal Commission into banking was just like ungodly what they were doing. They were deliberately crashing the economy for their fucking profits. Like it's, it's insane what was uncovered during that. So like they're ripping you off regardless, move your money into the bank, like Bank Australia, instead of them investing in fossil fuels and things like that, they'll be investing in renewables. They'll be investing in, you know, like sustainable technology and stuff like that. And it gets better returns anyway. I think that's it. It's just like the only thing that's stopping people is they don't understand that this is good for you and the planet and the economy. And there's just very vested interests like big banks, like the fossil fuel industry that just want to keep you saying that like, no, 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 your, your money's safe at NAB, you know, but it's not. <laughs> they're, they're, they're crooks. I think they're just crooks. That, huh? To get to that point of renewables, I mean, when you have these, and the fossil fuel industry did the same thing with, uh, well, the petrol industry, the oil industry did the same thing with the car. There was all these, uh, there was this ability for people to come along and go, okay, well, maybe we can start working towards an electric car, you know, people buying off patents, all that type of stuff. That's been the whispers for 30, 40, 50, probably even more years. Yeah. And it took a billionaire to nail it. It took Elon Musk to nail it. There was the Toyota Prius and there was other uh, hybrid cars, but he came along and he just blew them out of the water. You know, he's doing yeah. in cash. Maybe this is what this renewables will, it'll take to kick this off as someone who just does it themselves. And then that becomes the norm. Because when I was in, I was in Amsterdam at the airport and there was a line of cabs waiting to pick people up. And out of, let's say there was 50 cabs there, I reckon 45 of them were Teslas. And that was just the norm. Yeah. They've moved ahead with it. That's the whole thing. Like when people are saying like, this isn't practical, it's happening. There's other countries where they just are do like they've run, China's the same running with electricity, like, you know, explosion in renewables, India, explosion in renewables, uh, Britain, as you pointed out, uh, the Netherlands, Germany. Um, I think, I think Japan and Korea are down with it as well. It's just like you go there, most of the cars, not most of the cars, but there's heaps and heaps of electric cars there now. And it's just because they've decided to fund them. Like it's the same thing. It's just like why right here, we're deciding to fund coal plants, which is insane. Like no other country on earth is continuing to fund coal plants. It's just us, but you're exactly right. That's the whole thing. And that's like, what's really admirable about Elon Musk. But the thing is that like, you know, all of these things, because they're just such big picture things, everyone always thinks like, you know, I can't do anything about it, but that's a lie. You can, you can change your super, you can change your banks. And like, it, it has a huge impact. Like I was looking at the stats the other day, 30 people moving their superannuation. That's a million dollars. That's a million dollars out of coal plants and into wind and renewables and electric cars. And like, that's a lot of cash to play around with, you know? Like, yeah. I think we all understand a million dollars is a lot. That's 30 people super. That's it. I wonder if... Um, so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, like, it's exactly what you were saying. It's just like, 
when, when you see things as they are, like it's very hard to imagine a different future. But the thing is those, those futures are possible. It's the same as just like you like used to be fat. And when you were fat, you probably were just thinking the whole time I'm fat. And then like all of a sudden something kicked into your head and you were just like, no, I can be skinny. Like that, that is a possibility for me. And so you just started working towards it and now you've lost fucking weight and now you're a tank cunt. Like, but like, <laughs> but before, you're a little fat shit. Like it's just, that was your imprint of what you were, you know? Yeah. And I, th- I think that one of the things that may need to happen much like the electric car, because electric cars, well, Tesla's aren't electric cars. They are, they are Tesla's. That's what they are. That's the branding. And it's the same with renewables. Renewables to a large portion of the population is a dirty word. Electric car might've been the same sort of thing where people are like, Oh, that's never going to happen. Or the Prius ruined it or whatever. Come along yeah. with a whole new name and a whole new brand. And people love Tesla's. Everyone loves Tesla's. And maybe that will be the same thing for renewable. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you could just change like wind turbine to like air coal. Yeah, yeah. that's that's actually true, man. Like branding helps, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it depends who's pushing it. Elon's seen as cool. He talks shit to people on Twitter, which I love. Like, yeah, all that type. There was this one chick saying uh, she tweeted. I I posted on Instagram. She goes, "Elon Musk can fuck off," and he replied to her, a billionaire with everything going on in his life. He replied with, "Message received." Like it's so good. You can't say anything better than that. I'm no. so glad that he's like moving his genius, you know, like abnormal human uh, intelligence to like owning console. Like, yeah, look, I yeah, Elon Musk is an extremely impressive man and is able to think that. Like, all of the criticisms that I've heard of him at the time, like, it's just like, look. I'm a, as everyone will know, right? Like I'm a huge fan of unions and the fact that they're just saying that like, you know, his, his, his workforce isn't unionized. That the whole thing about him, which is genius, is those people don't care that they're getting ripped off. He's been able to show people a better, brighter future. And so they're like, I'd work for that for free. Mm. You know, like unions really are there for like grunt work for shit that no one wants to do, but has to do. And those people get exploited and things. But if you are running an electric car company that is revolutionizing transport globally, I mean, if I was smart enough to do it, I'd, I'd work for them. Of course. That's an amazing goal. Of course. It's a, it's a, it's, it's seen as something that is the reward is that job. Yeah. The job's the reward. Yeah. I mean, People don't often like, have dude, like with you, for instance, right? Like you would, even if you didn't have an audience, even if you didn't have money, you'd probably still be doing this anyway. Yeah. To do an extent. I was doing a podcast prior to this one years ago when we had like six people listen. I was doing it anyway. <laughs> that's really sweet. That's, that's no, like, I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, the things that you really enjoy in life, you do regardless. Now I, um, I'm a big fan of fasting and I fast every day till about two o'clock. It's currently when we're recording this two fourteen, So I'm going to get oh, sorry. Soon. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> but before we do, I want to ask a question uh, and I don't know how deep you can delve into it. How is Clive Palmer? What's happening with him? Have you heard from him? Oh, no. All that happened was the lawyer 
said like, this is a matter for the courts. We've presented it to their await our response. So it uh, expires maybe three, four months from now, I think. But I think that essentially what happened was he tried to shut me up during the election for his chances to increase his chances and mission accomplished. It did because it scared the fuck out of me at the time. Of course it did. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the people, people who don't know, can you give the, 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 uh, the fucking cliff notes on the whole thing? Basically, I did a video about Clive Palmer just being like, don't be enamored by his meme page. He's extremely dodge. He's an exploitative evil man. These are the things that he does. But I called him a fatty McFuckhead as well. And like, you know, all of those things are backed by fact, but he sued, he decided to sue me because, you know, like you can't, it's like very subjective what a fatty McFuckhead is. So like essentially in our, uh, in, in, our uh, in, in Australia, freedom of speech is kind of just limited to lords, i.e. members of parliament, because it was set up uh, over the British system, right? So basically the only people that have free speech, supposedly according to our constitution, are like wealthy landowners, right? Everyone else doesn't really have free speech in Australia. Not technically, anyway. So you can sue people for ridiculous shit like that. Like, that's why I'm always, like, very scared about you, Isaac. Like, I'm glad that you're doing it because it's fucking funny and shit like that. But I just know that, like, you know, if you say... If, if you say and I'm in the same boat as well, right? Like, if you say these things, it's technically defamation. And, it, like, if they wanted to push it through the courts, they could... They're not going to win, but they have a legal case that they can sit there and drain you of money for years if they want to ruin your life. And Clive Palmer's the kind of vindictive fat piece of shit that does do that to people. He does it to mayors, members of parliament. He'll just ruin their life until they submit because he makes a million dollars a day and he can. You know? So, like, anyway, that's, that's what's happening at the moment. I don't think he's going to push through with it because I think he's got bigger fish to fry and he doesn't care anymore. But... um. Yeah, I, I think that's what he does. Like, he's, he's notorious for doing this. Anyone that ever says anything bad about him, he sues them. Isn't that crazy and that you sue someone for calling you a mean name? I know, I know. And it's if amazing I, that it's like, hey, I might have ripped off all my workers at the nickel refinery. I might have been involved in a criminal case. I might be selling, uh, you know, like a million dollars a day worth of resources to a country that I myself consider a threat to Australia's security. But I'm not fat, you know, like... <laughs> I wish I knew that when I was a fat teenager. I could have just, like, just had, like, 15 <laughs> defamation suits going at lunchtime. That's how I would have lived my life. Yeah, you'd be as rich as Clive Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> well... Thank you very much, Jordan, for joining us on the podcast. Good chat, as always. And uh, No worries, man. Do it again at some point. Uh, if people yeah. are looking for anything you're doing, where can they find you? Friendly Geordies on YouTube. What else? That's pretty much fucking it, because, like, you know, it, it, as you know, tours are dead. So, yeah, just check me out at Friendly Geordies. Go from there. Good stuff. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Battlefield Effect, fucking good on us. Uh, if you want to check out the Clips channel, do that. If you haven't done it already, please do that immediately. Uh, I will love you forever. Uh, <clears throat> peace in the Middle East. Uh, be a good motherfucker. Do you want to finish off with the dick stinks, Jordan? All right, let's do it. Are we doing it simultaneously no, no, or I'm just, just doing it? It's just you. <laughs> you ready? ready. Dick stinks. Toodaloo, up, bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 